Welcome to the Apartment Operators Podcast, where you can learn from experienced operators what it really means to be an apartment operator. No fluff, no sugarcoating, just the raw, unfiltered truth of the ups and downs of operating multifamily communities. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Operators Podcast, and today we have a little bit of a different format. We have Kenny Wolf here. Hey Kenny. Hey Jess, how are you today? Awesome, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So Kenny's going to give us a couple of minutes, just a little bit about who you are, what's the portfolio looking like these days, how does the organization look like? Sure. Okay. Well, good. Um, so we, uh, Wolf Investments, um, we're up to, we'll be up to about 4,000 units by the end of the year. Uh, we're in four different states, um, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Ohio. Um, and we're in multiple markets in Ohio and Texas. Um, so that's what the size looks like. Um, our organization, we've got about four and a half in the office here now. The half is a real full person, but she works half time, uh, part time. And then, um, and then um, we also have a ownership and a management company uh, here in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, Allied Property Management. So um, that's offsite. They, their headquarters is in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, they've got about 180 employees now. We'll um, at that. definitely touch on that. All right, good. And then we're actually about we're in the midst of signing the contract for uh, by another management company up in Ohio. So we're trying to just, um, bring that in-house and then start vertically integrating uh, even more than what we're doing now. That's phenomenal. Um, so have you been doing that for 30 years? No, no, no. So we've been, so we've been, uh, we, we got into multifamily almost nine years ago. Awesome. So in nine years, you got to 4,000 units. I know you sold a few uh, right. around the way. Uh, so uh, let's go back a little bit to the beginning, right? Did okay. you, you obviously didn't start with owning a property management company. So right. uh, did you use third party? We did, yeah. We used third party for a while there. Um, I got frustrated and then, so my option was to either build one or to buy one. Buy one was a much way better way to go. Uh, so what was the trigger for you? Because we talked to a lot of operators and some of them are still using third parties. Some of them swear by third parties and some of them are, like you said, frustrated and ready for the next step, but they're on the verge. So right. what took you over that threshold? I will, so I finally got fed up because um, I would have to correct their accounting every month um, and they wouldn't listen to me. And so I said, okay, well, if they don't listen to me, you know, go buy one and then they will. Uh, they kind of have to, so. Um, so that's kind of what uh, what triggered the, the big jump to do it. Um, I think we get a better product by doing that. Um, management companies are, there's a lot of mediocre management company, companies out there. It's a very fragmented uh, business. Um, so it's also a way for us to put a touch, our, you know, our touch on a management company, make it that much better than anybody else. Yeah, and, and for the audience, it kind of goes back to a theme we hear a lot with control and brand control and quality control and, and, right. and getting things standardized across all of the portfolios. So we're hearing the same things from you. Uh, when was the, when did you do that switch? When did you buy the property management? Uh, so, so we, so I bought now 49%, so I don't the whole thing. I have my high minority interest. Uh, the, um, uh, so we did that about a year and a half ago. Uh, that's when we made the, made this, made the jump. So tell us a little bit about the changes that you've seen happening in, in your property since you did that switch. Right. So part of the, you know, so um, team up with Allied to, to, um, to grow that management business. And by doing so, by teaming up, we were able to hire better talent. And so like the, our CFO at Allied um, is, uh, was the CFO for the Crow Family Trust for 20 years. So that's kind of accounting level we have now. No one can touch our accounting. Yeah. Uh, we've got the best. And then we just hired a um, executive VP of operations from Lincoln Property Group. So we're starting to, we're, 
all the profit we make at Allied right now is going back into hiring better people. Um, so that, that that's one thing is I can direct, we can mm -hmm. direct, not we, I, not I, but we, we can direct um, hiring the best people and giving the best practices. Um, you know, our, I think our reports look good because, um, you know, I, I, I said I had it from an investor point of view. Okay, this is what I want to see. Um, this is how it should look, you know, these kind of things. So I can make my, um, my suggestions as an, as, a, as an investor on the investor side too. So how does it look like in the field, right? Is it better occupancy? Is it higher rents? Is it um, better customer satisfaction surveys? What does the properties feel by you owning a property management company? Uh, so, well, so, so, so my accounting is, my background is, is in accounting. Um, so that's a number one. If, you, if you're an investor or an operator, asset manager, and you can't trust your accounting, you're flying blind. Um, so to me, that was a big, big deal. So now I, now I, hundred percent trust our financials. Um, you know, because uh, now we've got the the best guy in there. Um, and then also too, now we're seeing, you know, uh, by hiring that Lincoln Property Group guy. Now we're seeing like, okay, this is how the big boys do it. This is how the institutional guys run their stuff. So we're getting better practices than mm -hmm. than what I've seen in some of the other third party operators um, uh, that are that are why. I mean, are probably twice our size. So, so I think we're we have, by hiring those outside guys that have um, kind of more institutional level um, uh, experience, uh, we're getting that institutional level um, quality in the reporting and, and on the regionals and the management side, um, property management side um, as, as an institutional, but we're still, you know, but, but folks are still able to call up the CEO and get on the phone. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's kind of that balancing act that we're trying to do. Okay. Yeah, no, because that's, Something we hear a lot from other operators is the Goldilocks kind of thing. We want not too small, but not too big, right? right? So it sounds like with your company, your investors basically are getting a big company systems processes, but a small company uh, attention kind of feel, right? Yeah, and it's also by buying that this this next management company, it's going to help us about ten thousand units under management um, uh, across four states, and so. Um, We've like, I mean, that, that's going to really help our the uh, the folks that use us as the management company because our insurance rates just got a lot cheaper. Yeah. Because now our master policy is ten thousand units instead of forty five hundred, whatever it is now. And it's multiple regions, right? So it reduces the risk, risk right? Yeah. And so that that's going to be massive. So there's there's ways because we're growing on the management side and getting bigger and more geographically diverse, not just on insurance, but there's a whole slew of other options that we're going to be able to roll out. Which is exciting because so we are building a better mousetrap. You know, we really yeah. are. <laughs> That's great. So, so um, let's talk about the asset management, right? You guys still buy properties, you raise money from investors. So, asset management is still part, even though you own the property management, asset oh, yeah. management, somebody needs to hold them accountable. Sure, right? for sure. Yeah. So, how does that look like today in your organization? Who does that? And um, how did you do used to do it? I'm guessing you used to do right. it yourself, was, right? Yeah, right. Uh, um, and, and, how did you transition, right? Because uh, we talked to a lot of operators that are still in the phase where they are the asset managers, right. um, and you've done the transition. So let's go from where you used to do it to where it is right now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it used to be like a one man band, you know, like uh, like everybody starts out. But uh, we started hiring people. Uh, so here in the office, we've, I I first hired a marketing slash assistant, um, a digital marketing, because I have not a, I'm not good at digital marketing. Uh, so that was a big deal for me to be able to add that touch um, for social media and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, the third hire was an asset manager. Um, so I could start um, training him up on how to, uh, or how I asset manage, or how I um, uh, 
uh, and kind of pass that off on, on him somewhat. I, I'm still pretty involved with that. Um, I, I, I'm going to make platinum status on American this year uh, by flying around. But, uh, um, but he does a lot of it, um, which is great. Um, he's in Little Rock today, checking out some stuff for us. So, um, so it's good to have, uh, we can cover more ground that way. Um, sometimes we travel together to a property, especially if it's new, mm -hmm. to kind of get on the same page. And then once we have the rehab set and all the kind of the big high level items uh, we want fixed from the get go, then, um, then sometimes I'll back off and let him go. Um, especially to Columbus in January and El Paso in July. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to pick and choose where you want to go and when you want to go, right? Yeah, That's it's, phenomenal. It's pretty nice. Um, so how does that look like, right? So is it a weekly call with the on-site team or is it a monthly call with the regional? Right? Give us a little bit more of a feel of how involved you guys are. Um, and again, before and after owning your own property manager. So we still so we, so so the, the management company that we brought into, I mean, they, they run it. They're, they're a separate entity. So so we treat it like that. Um, so so she runs it. Nicole runs the the management company. She does all that. Um, so our job here at Wolf Investments um, is uh, is to manage those assets. So it's just like it's it's it would be just like we were using a third party or not, basically, okay. right? Um, on, on our side. So um, so we've got a weekly call with the regionals. Uh, most of the time, the, those on-site managers are on are on that call as well. Um, so we've got a weekly call with regionals, on-site manager. We also have a weekly call with our rehab group. Um, so if we have a, whatever properties we have kind of still in that kind of big rehab construction phase, um, uh, we've got a weekly call with them to make sure everybody's on the same page. And then on that call, um, I try to make sure all the regionals that are, are, that are in those properties that have the construction are on that call as well. Uh, to make sure everybody's communicating properly. Yeah. So communication is key. Communication <laughs> is definitely key. Yeah. Um, so how does that call with the on-site manager and the regional looks like? Right? What do you cover? What do you ask? What do you expect to hear? Right. So so it's so, um you know I'm a numbers guy, so we start off, we start off with the numbers. Uh, what's our occupancy? What are we pre-leased? Um, and so yeah, you know, some one of our properties was like constantly we'd be at like ninety three percent occupied with eighty seven percent pre leased. And it was the strangest thing. And it's been that way for it was that way for five months. And then finally I'm like, look, we gotta we gotta flip that. We need to be ninety five percent pre leased and that it was it, it, it's a it's an A class deal, so it's a little different to manage anyways, but um, but we would always be at that ninety two and three percent occupancy, which is fine. But so anyways, most of the time it's it's higher than that. But uh, but the weekly calls, um, the numbers are first, and then um, let me go down to um, if the, if any if there's any major changes, obviously we dig into that uh, on the number side, and then um, we look at the um, revenue collected that you know so far that that month, um, any kind of challenges you know with the that the manager brings up or the regional, uh, we try to really promote that like there's no there's no right answer there, there's no wrong answer we just need to know the exact information and then just just deal with it right. Um, any issues with you know operations to on-site stuff? I mean, has a, a tenant in our car in our building with our car this week or not? I don't know. Um, you know stuff like that. You, you hear the operational stories as well. Yeah, we have had those too. Uh, <laughs> so no, it, it's a really good point, and I think you kind of said it as a, as an off remark, but it's really important, right? Those conversations uh, when you have the on-site manager online sometimes they feel intimidated, right? The right. asset manager or the ownership is on the line and they might not be open and they need to know that no matter what they say, right, we're not there on the call to scold anyone or to punish anyone. We're there to try to figure out how we can do better. Right. So right. even if the property is not performing the best, right, it's it's all about 
what can we do better, right? And what's the feedback you're hearing from the applicants, right? Um, where do you do your marketing? What's the traffic? How can we increase traffic and so on? So it's always with a solution kind of mindset versus a blaming kind of mindset because that's going to go nowhere. Right, yeah, you can get you a trade more bees with honey, right? That's what they say yeah. in Texas here. Uh, the, uh, um, yeah, I mean, you do want to, and also too, when you go, that's why it's also important for, for owners um, and asset managers to go on site. I mean, because you've got to build that rapport. you got to, you know, take them out to lunch. I mean, it's 20, 30, 40 bucks, whatever it is, how big your property is, but do that small stuff uh, and build a rapport with them, um, you know, and get to know them as a person. And then usually that, that's gonna be, that's gonna pay off dividends because they're gonna put in the extra work. They don't wanna disappoint. Um, they like you um, if you're a nice guy or girl. Uh, but, uh, uh, but that kind of stuff builds that rapport. So that way you've got that, when you do have those weekly calls and oh yeah, we dropped 5% on occupancy this week. You know, it's like, it's the, they, they're, they're more comfortable saying that and said, okay, but, and then they follow up like, okay, this is how I'm gonna fix it, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's what you, you know, you gotta build that rapport with the onsite team. Yeah. It's trust thing, right? They gotta, yeah, yeah. they gotta trust that if they say something bad, it's not gonna immediately cause them to lose their job. Right, right exactly. Right, yeah. So, okay, well, that's great. Now, you guys do a lot of value, right? right. So, um, tell us, you know, a few things that you like doing a value add that, that that really helps push either occupancy or income up. Um, I, you know, everybody knows that you know you do value add, you get things, right? right. But what other values do you provide or how do you interact with the resident that help you with that? Right. Um, so it, obviously, I mean, we're just going to tell you with like the backsplash and the appliances and all that kind of stuff. Um, stuff that we, we like to do, um, kind of give them that extra little touch, um, is um, like at one of our higher end properties up in Columbus on a renewal, um, we let them say, hey, if you renew, um, no cost to you, we do a, uh, we'll do a USB outlet wherever you want it. In the unit, so it, it, most of the time it's in the bedroom or in the kitchen. We had a whole. Uh, I, I was in. This, I, my vote was to put it in the kitchen when we first had this call. Um, and um, the uh, but then the other the, as well. I, I think I would want it in my bedroom. We're like, okay, well then let them choose. It's a, you know that's even better. They'll they'll really like that. You know, make it their own. So it costs us like I don't know. Those USB outlets are pretty cheap, ten twelve bucks. Yep. Our guy our guy in house installs it. Uh, but it's that little touch you can give them where. Um, you're bringing big value to their life by that small little outlet, yeah. um, but it's a big deal. And when they get to choose where, where it's at, I mean, game over, right? So that's that kind of stuff. And then something else we do, um, our little Disney magic trick that we do uh, on, uh, on, on most of our properties um, is um, we will um, not tell a new resident when they're moving in, um, we'll have a, um, it will magically appear when they move in is there's a two liter of soda, mm -hmm. and then there's also a free coupon for pizza, uh, a local pizza place because um, no one likes to cook when you first move into your unit. And if we don't we don't promote it like beforehand, like when they sign a lease, we don't let them know. It's yeah. just it just is there, right? Yep. So it's that um, I don't you're gonna Disney World or anything like that, you go into the thing and there's so many small little things that they do that they that, that you know they don't even promote. You know? Yes. But but you're gonna go off and tell your friends and be like, Oh my gosh, you know what you, you, you know what they did for me? You know, all these little things, you know. So we try to recreate some of those things. Well there's a Two separate things that you mentioned that I want to kind of touch on, right? So the, the USB thing, uh, I love that idea mostly because th there's the aspect of making it their own, letting them choose is huge because then they get that feeling of home, right? But in your own home, you can decide what color you want the walls and where to put what socket and so on, right? right. So that's one thing. But the other thing is that it's the gift that keeps on giving. 
So every night they're going to plug that charger into that socket in their bedroom and they're going to think about how awesome it is to live in that part, right? right? Yeah. So, so that's why I love that one. We do something very similar in our community and that is we offer them, um, when we have like a renewal special, we offer them either um, a certain discount or we offer them a pair of movie tickets every month uh, for a year. Oh, nice. Right? Um, as long as they pay on time, right? So we, right. of course, <laughs> leave them to pay on time. Right. And then it's, again, every month it's a pair of movie tickets. So if they talk to friends or if they tag themselves on on, you, uh, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, it just keeps on giving, right? right. So it, it's, it doesn't cost a lot. It, it's, what, less than 20 bucks for a pair of tickets. Right. So um, it, it's just keeps on giving. Sure. Um, so, so I love that you do the USB thing and the thing with the, the soda and the, the pizza is a lot of people don't realize but moving is psychologically more painful than a divorce right. or losing your job. Right. And, or, 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 and I think I read an article about it also was, it was ranked higher than, than, than going to the dentist. <laughs> yes. So it's such a stressful thing. So just having that is huge, right? right. Uh, a couple of bottles of water, right? It's like right. 60 cents and it makes them happy. Uh, on a property, we had a property that had um, laundry machines that were operated by tokens. Uh -huh. So we had a little baggie with tokens sitting on the desk for them when they came in because I need to do laundry and the office is closed, where can I get tokens and how come quarters don't go in there? Right. Just saves the frustration, right? right. Uh, we've seen other uh, operators that mention that they leave like a plunger with a toilet paper and a few <laughs> little uh, toiletries, right? Because right. when you move in, where are the boxes? What am I doing, right? So um, I, I, I love that because it just, it makes the move experience much better right. yeah. and reduces some of the stress. And if they walk in with a positive attitude to the apartment, they're going to keep a positive attitude going forward. Right, yeah, and it's also the resident referrals too. I mean, they're, they're going to tell their friends about, you know, about that, so. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, um, give us a few things that you like to do to kind of uh, save on expenses, right? Because I've walked into properties and as brokers, right, we see a lot of P&Ls and it's kind of like, you spend that much on this, right? <laughs> so, uh, a few things that you guys like to tackle immediately as you buy a property. I mean, every property is different. Um, we just bought an A class in 2018. It was built in 2018, so bought it in December of last year. Um, and then, um, uh, but we walked in, and it's like, oh my gosh, they were running it so poorly. Um, the payroll was twice what it should be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, you just go down, you, you tackle the biggest line items first. So the biggest three, especially here in Texas, are uh, property taxes, insurance, and payroll. Uh, so optimize those if you can. Sometimes they're low. I mean, sometimes they don't have enough payroll. Um, uh, on that, and then it's also admin, utilities, ways that you can, you know, really drive that down. Um, I'm on the fence on, on the water conservation, to be honest with you. It depends on the state we're in, uh, because if it's a flat fee for water, then absolutely I'll do the toilets. But if it's a rub system, we build that back, um, we're saving a percent of a percent. So it's like, uh, I mean, so I, and I've heard it both ways. Some folks will say that, oh, well, if they're not paying as much um, um, uh, water, then they can pay more rent. Well, I mean, that's maybe. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe they tend to send them another car or something. I don't know. But it is you know. uh, it, it is a factor, right? Because we see applicants ask what's the water bill right. normally. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. But 
Um, I think that it's the rules and the regulations around that are so complicated that it's really hard to predict which way is better. Uh, it used to be a lot easier with any Freddy uh, Green Reward program to yeah. do these things, but they just made the program so hard to maintain right. that I don't see a value in that well, anymore. This year they cut the, um, the, the like um, two months ago they just cut the uh, um, I, I cut the rate discount. So that was like it was like 0.02 that it would say to you. Yeah, so that's definitely <laughs> so not, not worth it. Yeah, um, so they changed it. One thing to know about the green reward program, I don't know if you had a chance to experience that, but there is zero flexibility in this thing, right? Yeah, so um, the, we had to we had a green reward program property, and the original engineer decided that we need to replace all the toilets uh-huh. and. We brought a water conservation company to do the project and they did the math and they looked at what we had in, in the field and said, don't do that, it's a waste of money because uh, um, you're not gonna get that gain that you're looking for. And Fenny would not hear any of it. Oh, right? wow. So they forced us to replace, and there's like 125, there's like $20,000 expense just for the sake of checking the box. And wow. they, they had zero openness to even discuss that. Right. Yeah. So, so that's the kind of thing that you're buying into when you have a green reward, and I don't think a lot of people are aware of that going into it. Right. No. You, yeah. You admit that. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So, thank you for that. Um, what about um, cost costing, cost cutting initiatives? Right? right. Things that you can drive either by engaging your customers or your residents or talking to the maintenance guys. Uh, how do you drive costs down? Um, so, I mean, so yeah, so having, um, you also want to get to know your maintenance guys, um, you know, on, on site, not just the folks in the office, so get to know them because they're going to find the stuff where, the, you know, so this tool is running, they're going to, you know, so you want to make sure your maintenance guy is on it and knows like, okay, these are key importance. Like if you hear running toilet, we need that fixed ASAP, you know, they, uh, or you see, um, you know, um, lights on in a, in a vacant unit or your, your, um, any of your vacants, you want to set the AC, especially in Texas in the summertime, you know, higher than you would if you, would li- if you were living in there. Um, so it's those small little things where we had a property in Shreveport we just, uh, we took over in April. Um, he, his, his electricity was just astronomical. Um, based on part of it was because you get pretty high vacancy. Uh, but, but we knew a part of it was that, because we walked in when we did the due, 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 due diligence, um, those vacants were at like 68 degrees. And this is 400 units, and he, and he said he's supposedly 60% occupied. Um, and I say supposedly because that's a whole other yeah. conversation. But uh, uh, but so 40% of the units were vacant, and, and he had them on 68, 70 degrees. And so we go in. So we we went through the first month, and we walked every obviously we walked every unit, but then all the vacants we adjusted the AC you know up obviously, um, and we, we saw a nine thousand um, uh, dollar decrease in that's the electric bill by just by doing that stuff. Yeah, we yeah. had very similar situations and it's kind of like, we tell our managers that they have to walk the vacant units every week because of those running toilets and, and the, the ACs and it's kind of like, and I still walk in every once in a while and the AC is blowing at 60 and it's kind of like, what? Well, right. I was there last week. Oh yeah, the guys went in there to do something. Right. So the guys forgot to turn it back up. It's like, okay, that's why you walk in right. every week, right? Um, I've walked into vacant units where there's an active leak going on, right? Mm-hmm. Destroying something. And uh, that's really where 
it doesn't have to be the manager walking in every unit, every, every unit, every week, right? Right. But you can split it between the manager and the assistant or a leasing agent or the maintenance, the maintenance team, right. right? And just and don't just open the door, check the box, right? Just <laughs> actually walk in, look at the showers, right? Um, it makes a ton of difference. Like you said, nine thousand dollars in electricity is huge. People underestimate toilets, the running toilets, oh, yeah. but a running toilet can bleed thousands of gallons a month right. uh, just by continuously cycling. So uh, that's a lot of money, right. especially if you're not in um, uh, certain uh, areas. If you're in the, the outskirts, in the secondary markets, oh, yeah. water can get really expensive. Okay, yeah. So uh, um, we like to keep track of these things as well right yeah we've got property in El Paso so yeah water is pretty high up there so yeah so uh, what would be a good advice to a guy that just get or a girl that just get into this business right that they found a good property they're raising their money they're about to get into that I, I one of the big themes we have with this podcast is Everybody talks about the sprint to get to the closing table, but nobody talks about the marathon that comes after. <laughs> and that's what this podcast is all about. So, so what would be a good advice for someone that is just about to enter the marathon phase? Um, so if you just, if you, or so if you, if you just bought your property, um, I mean, so for me, we just bought one on Friday in Columbus. Um, I, I usually fly up about a week after close. I am not there on the day of close, and a lot of, some folks think that's strange, but I don't want to get in the way. If I'm there, you know, they're, they're, the day of close is crazy because they're trying to, within, because wires usually don't hit till two o'clock. So that means they got three hours to get, you know, to get a handle on this property and mm-hmm. at least enough to lock it up and, you know, so that they're going through all the files, but those into the computer system, and it's, it's crazy the first week. And sometimes uh, you walk into the office, it's empty, there's no furniture, there's no computer. Right, right? yeah, so I let them all do handle all that. So I don't show up till a week after. A week after I show up, we go through, and we've already, um, before we buy it, actually, we've already gone through, and I've walked with the regional manager for the most part before we buy it, and we talk about all the things we want them to do, or the construction crew. Um, so they already kind of know those bids, and so then a week after, I show up a lot of those time, a lot of that time, we already have the bids for everything, and I can, we can just start doing our final approvals. Uh, on there, which is, is helpful because that gets you going that much faster. Um, you know, we always rebrand every time we buy a deal. Um, it's our kind of personal touch, um, but choose that quickly upon takeover so that way you get your logo going, the new mm-hmm. signage, all that kind of stuff that kind of just sets the tone uh, for the new manager. So, who makes that decision? Because that's a conversation I had with a few operators, and everybody's a little bit different. So, who decides what's the new name, what's the new logo look like, and so on? So, I kind of pride myself as 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 the apartment uh, whisperer. So, I like just go to the property, and and it just typically a name just pop, just comes to me. Um, sometimes, like in El Paso, we're trying to use the word agave in all of our in all of our properties. We kind mm-hmm. of have a, a regional or a, um, brand out there. Yeah. Um, um, you know, like in Columbus, all of our, the, other, the two prior ones we had bought were, were a PV, so Ponderosa Village and Parkview Apartments. So this next one well, it had to be a PV. Um, so with Park Vista, um, regional manager, Barbara, shout out to Barbara. Uh, Barbara came up with that one. So Barbara, Barbara did, did a good job on that one. She picked that one. It's on Vista, uh, Vista View Road. So that, you know, that's pretty easy on that one. Okay. Well, for the people that raise money with investors, I found that um, it's, really cool for the investors if you get them involved in the process 
said on one property we we chose the name so we let them choose the logo we give them like two or three options okay. and, and they nice. got to vote on the logo on another one we let them vote on names okay. right uh, so it's kind of like it, it helps engage it a little bit with the sure. investors but you also have the full control of what the options you provide <laughs> right so it's right. not going to be really crazy right. names or crazy logos uh, um, the ransom that in. yeah <laughs> but, but but it gets a little bit more engagement so that's sure. cool um, so I, I want to try to get a little bit more from where you are right now, right? What are the things that the people that haven't gotten to where you are right now don't know that they don't know? Right. right? When it comes to scaling, when it comes to what did you bring in-house, for example? So property management is one of the things you brought in-house. Right. Were there any other functions that you brought in-house? Uh, so we, uh, we own part of a tower company now. So okay. that's, that's nice, obviously, when we close on stuff. Um, we got to spend that money anyway, so might, might as well own it. So that, uh, we're working with that insurance um, on that piece. Uh, that's going to be massive uh, for the management company side um, uh, because one, we can offer a lower rate to all of mm -hmm. our folks, um, but two, we figure out a way to keep the um, deductibles to 25000 which is tough now this year. They've really popped up to 1500 yeah. Some of them are even 200 now, depending on what you got and where, where you're at. Um, so for us to be able to offer to figure out a way to keep that twenty-five as opposed to 50 100 whatever it is now, um, that's going to be massive. Um, uh, so um, that's, a, that's a long conversation. But we're trying to vertically integrate is what we're trying to do on that side of it. Um, on the uh, investment side, we're going, you know, uh, we're in those four, five or four different states. Um, bought a lot of El Paso recently. I'm trying to buy a fall Cleveland to Ohio before everybody else uh, figures out, so just don't tell anybody. Um, so uh, we're trying to build those markets now because I think they're about to turn. Uh, we're doing our first, um, um, uh, we're wrapping up our first ground up development deal here in Dallas Fort Worth. Um, and then we're about to kick off another one um, here in town too. Um, and we're doing that because um, we're selling a property. Um, uh, I don't want to say where because it is in Texas. Uh, we're selling a property, uh, um, and it's uh, it's 1968. You know, they're they're paying more, north of 90k a door wow. um, um, on the deal. So, uh, but they um, um, for this new development we're working on, it's going to be 88 units, brand new A class, and we're we're, we're going to be all in for 105 a unit. That's phenomenal. So I'd rather have an A class for 105 than than not than that. So so DFW right now we're focusing on seeing if there's any spots, strategic spots we can build. Um, we're not we don't want to build at 121 way. That's obviously way too. That's too. Well, that's too busy. That's too busy. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some, definitely some of these little spots yeah. spots in DFW, but this is kind of in the growth path of DFW. Mm -hmm. So that's why we get the lane so cheap. Um, so that that we're doing that, and then uh, another out of the box kind of deal we're doing uh, in the multifamily side is. Um, we're about to go to contract on a property in downtown Cleveland. Um, it's a historic office building. Um, so we're going to convert that to multifamily. So it's a redevelopment project. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, okay. It's got a lot of those. Yeah, it's got a lot of moving parts because um, we're going to get historic tax credits from the state and federal government. Um, and then also um, it's, it's, it's in an opportunity zone. Uh, so it's got all those kind of Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts on the financial side and tax wise. Uh, these are also high rises, right? Yeah, so that one is, yeah. So this is uh, it's eleven stories. Eleven stories, right? Yeah. So uh, we looked at one of those projects, and then that is really one of those things that you don't know what you don't know. Right. It's kind of like I had a conversation with a friend that is doing this, and it's kind of like 
Yeah, well, when you need shitlock by the eighth floor, you gotta coordinate a crane and <laughs> pop a window up and stop traffic so you can bring a 2 a.m. crane to load up all the sheetrock. The eighth floor is like, okay. <laughs> yeah, things I don't know that I don't know, right? You don't know, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's definitely, uh, I'd love to hear more about that project and some other opportunities. It's definitely going to be an interesting one. Right. Uh, but again, these things are located at phenomenal locations downtown right. where there's not a lot of um, uh, residential opportunities, right? And right. people always want to live downtown. So uh, these usually are very successful if they're done right. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're teaming up with the local. Um, um, uh, construction company up there in Cleveland. They've done nine of these now. They're working on Danny Gilbert's right now. He's the owner of the Cats. Yeah. Uh, so I got to tour his deal, his redevelopment deal in downtown. It's amazing. Awesome. Uh, so Dan bought a million square feet. I, mean, I say Dan like I know him, but yeah. Dan bought a million square feet uh, and it was redeveloping it to multifamily. We bought 56,000. So a little bit different, but we'll catch up to Dan. We'll catch up. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good to have a goal, right? Right, yeah, yeah. It's good to chase uh, it. Awesome. So I really do appreciate your time. It's phenomenal. Uh, and your experience is amazing. We can talk for hours, I know. Right. Um, if you could have gone back in time, I ask that to all of my uh, guests, right? And, and tell the younger Kenny, um, no, you can't tell them 2009 is the bottom, right? <laughs> so other than that, right, uh, what would you tell yourself? Um, you know, so I started investing in multifamily when I was 28. Um, I wish I would have done it obviously earlier. Everybody probably says that. Um, so that's the gimme. Um, I'm very glad I started with 76 units and nothing lower than that. So I went from zero units to 76 um, as, a, as a syndicator. Um, we invested passively twice before that, so I think that was a good move as well uh, to kind of learn the ropes. Uh, but um, buying, that seven, buying that bigger property where I could afford um, full-time property management was key to, to, to scale it as fast as we did. Um, uh, because if you buy the smaller unit, um, you can't afford the full third-party property management. So that means you're going to be stuck in the day-to-day -day at, at some level. Yeah. Maybe you're doing the accounting. Maybe I mean, there's different levels, but um, that, that's been key uh, to be able to scale it so fast. Yeah, and I found that a lot of people are attracted to the 20, 30 uh, units range. And to me, 30 is a very challenging oh, size. It is, yeah. it, it's too big to handle all as a single operator. And it's too small to afford a, a, a staff. So I think that's one of the most challenging sizes, the 20 to 40 units. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's very attractive to a lot of people that don't want to raise money, don't want investors. Uh, it's still manageable for some people to pick up something like this with a, right. a relatively lower investment. So that's a Yeah, and there's pros and cons. Challenging. Um, yeah. I've always enjoyed having investors, to be honest with you. So I don't, uh, I never got, I never understood that. Um, but I, I know some guys that did that. They went from, I think he went from 11 to 16 to 32, you know, all, all with his money, and then kind of grew it that way. Um, and so he's got maybe 1,500 units that are all his. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is, is good, but I mean, how it bigger could longer. It takes a lot longer, and how bigger could he have gone? Um, you know, um, what kind of projects could he have taken on uh, had he teamed up and, and you know, um, and uh, bought a building and bought a much bigger, bigger building and bigger assets and you know all that. So um, I think it's better to, to syndicate, bring a group of investors together so you can buy a bigger, better asset. Uh, but I'm biased. So, yeah, of know. course. <laughs> uh, okay, well, thank you so much, Kenny. Uh, where can our audience find you? If they have any questions, if they want to reach out, if they want to invest with Wolf Investments, 
Sure. How can they find you? Uh, so we are wolf-investments.com. So W-O-L-L-F-E, uh, right there, I guess. Um, Dash-investments.com, that's, that's the best way to get lit in. There's a subscribe button. So if you hit that, put your name and email, it'll get you on our um, on the email list. And then uh, it'll all prompt you for a phone call or a meeting with me um, as well, too. So to get you on the full investor list, access to the investor portal. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we got a YouTube channel, LinkedIn, all those social media stuff we try to stay pretty active in. Um, and then we also host uh, three times a year conferences, the MFIN conference. So uh, next one's February 8th in Houston. Um, well, about 400 people there. Um, speakers from all over the country fly in. We've got um, vendors who do an education series. And the best part, there's no like $30,000 thing to buy at the end. Oh, it's just, there's nothing, it's just education and networking. There's That's no it. table at the end of the... There's no, no like bright light on you to like yeah. buy something. This is just education networking. Um, uh, this year, this past year, we did it in uh, Houston, LA, and Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, we just got back from Boston in uh, early October. Um, so we're going to do it again in Houston and hit West Coast and East Coast again. Um, so stay tuned for that. But that's mfinvestornetwork.com. Awesome. Um, we'll put all the links in sure. the show notes uh, um, for everybody. Yeah, that's a great way to kind of get to know folks and meet folks that are in the industry. Um, I, we, I, we're working on a few big big names to come to the Houston event. I can't say yet, but, um, but it's looking pretty promising. So. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kenny. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Jess. I appreciate it. Awesome. And for you, the audience, if you like this show, if you want to listen to more, just go to iTunes, Teachers, wherever you consume your podcast and, and subscribe. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to enjoy more episodes, please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. For questions or feedback, please visit our site at www.aptopr.com.